Hello and good afternoon, everyone. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and uh, this is the amazing Lori. I'm just realizing, did Mike jump out on us again? He he said he would come well, in. I'm slacking too. I didn't send him a link. Hmm. But I'm sure he wasn't like Lori. Wait for me. Uh. So anyway. <laughs> I'd love to have Mike join us today because, first of all, it's a little bit more interesting to you when you get to hear different perspectives on things, especially with the, um, I think, the perspectives that the three of us bring together. It's uh, good for a variety of reasons to have that interplay. Uh, one, I'm the constitutional attorney. Uh, then on the far end of that, you have the machinist who always hated school and never went to college and certainly didn't go to law school. and never had any kind of real interactions with any attorneys or judges or the court system until he met me, of course. And then you have Lori, who I would say is more of the middle, you know, some uh, legal types of experiences and backgrounds before uh, 2020, um, but more of a, the typical American who wasn't avoiding it like the plague, like my husband, but um, wasn't someone who uh, was stupid enough to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to law school and take a bar exam. So um, with that being said, hopefully we'll get Mike on here so we can have some more of that interplay um, and, and different viewpoints for you guys to be able to hear today's topic. But um, I wanted to uh, really focus on appeals today and the specific elements, I guess, of appeals uh, out of that. Um, uh, that we didn't have in the description today because of a variety of reasons. But so many of you freedom fighters, those who are actively fighting for freedom in your communities, uh, are seeing different court cases now popping up. Maybe you're the plaintiff in a case because you're suing a governmental entity for infringing upon your constitutionally protected God-given liberties. Maybe you are suing an employer or um, you know, a, a government agency uh, for you know, some other government infringement type of reason. Maybe you are on the receiving end of litigation. Uh, you have um, a civil case that's been brought against or perhaps even a criminal case. Uh, maybe you're like me, someone who's willing to be arrested to defend the Constitution and our God-given liberties. And so you are now found facing uh, taking on the, the criminal justice system to defend your own liberty. No matter what the situation, more and more constitution uh, advocates, if you will, are finding themselves involved in court proceedings. And way too often, just like in any other branch of government, the judicial system is getting it wrong. And that's leaving people feeling confused about what do I do now? What are my options? And I specifically remember having a conversation with um, this one particular client. It's a friend. He's someone we've known for years and years. Um, but he became a client about, I don't know, five, ten years into knowing him. And I remember standing outside of the Ionia County Courthouse with him one day. And I said to him, you know, here's the problem. What you'd like to do in this case because the law is behind you. The facts are behind you. Uh, this particular example is a divorce case. But I said to him, the law and the facts completely support your position. 
And I would absolutely have no problem advocating for that interest all the way up, you know, in any sense of the, the word. However, what you need to decide is, do you want having to file an appeal? Because at that time, I wasn't working on appeals. I said, I'm not an appeals attorney. I'm a trial attorney. You'd have to find an appeals attorney. And it's going to cost a lot of money. Because appeals attorneys, uh, by my, you know, um, research and my knowledge, and like that thing, um, <laughs> I'm uh, That was a mailman. <laughs> Uh, it, it was $10,000 or more just to get an appeals attorney to touch, especially a divorce case. So I said to him, you got to be willing to put in that kind of money on top of all the other things you've had to do. Uh, and I was his second attorney, his first attorney he had paid gobs of money to and got nowhere. And then he hired me and um, we got a lot of things straightened out. But when push came to shove and the judge finally called us attorneys into uh, his chambers on uh, some pretrial, you know, settlement types of matters and made it known what he was planning on deciding in a variety of, of different issues. Uh, you know, of course, I did my best to advocate for the client right then and there, but knowing that the judge was just going to do what he wanted to do. And mind you, he was a brand new judge, having been a prosecutor for many years. But anyway, uh, I said to the client, listen, you got to make this decision because you are legally correct, but the appeals process is so time consuming. It's so overwhelming. It's so expensive. It's so hard to really understand that you need to make an informed decision about if you're willing to pursue your issues that far. Now, that particular client chose to um, make a... Um, a property and uh, custody parenting time settlement that he was not particularly happy with and didn't think was in his uh, children's best interests, nor did I, but that was his choice to have to make because he also knew that trying to come up with all the funds and the time and the uh, just everything that would be involved in going at that point to the Court of Appeals, he knew that his kids couldn't go through that and he couldn't go through that they needed to be able to heal and move forward and um, go from there. So you are probably in that kind of situation now, or you have been before, but at the very least, you know someone. If you're watching this video, you're not just some, you know, bumpkin sitting on the side of the road, you know, on the sidelines watching everybody else do all the heavy lifting. Most likely you are somebody who's getting involved in the freedom fight in some way, shape, or form. Certainly, if you're choosing to click on this episode specifically talking about appeals, you're not somebody who's just here for fun. You're here because you need to learn this information. This is not the most entertaining type of subject on the planet. So, it's you who I'm speaking to. It's you who I want to make sure are getting your questions answered today. With that in mind, I realize we have 13 comments between our social media platforms that I have not even addressed. Um, luckily, Lori's been on top of it. But uh, And uh, I do have a, a question from the Liberty Cause about how the house is coming along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I guess you could 
my kitchen island is uh, being painted this color for those who might have issue with the small screen or whatnot. Yes, it's teal. Um, and I have some primer over here. I just realized actually doing this video because I saw my arm when I went like this or whatnot. Um, but uh, today is uh, already over 91 or 92 degrees and not a cloud in the sky. And while I did move here for the warm weather and the beautiful sunshine, I'm going to melt. So I'm probably going to have to take some time with my uh, beautiful little girl and that crabby man that lives with me and go and play in the ocean for a little bit today. But we will be getting back to the remodeling soon. I have to squeeze in some website uh, um, maintenance, so to speak, and um, some political work behind the scenes. But then we'll be getting back to that. Um, all right, I want to make sure. Um, okay. Great. All right. Well, hello to all of you on Facebook and um, uh, Rumble and YouTube that are watching us live. And hello to all of you on the other social media platforms that will be watching us later. Thank you for tuning in again. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry, and we're going to dive right on into today's topic. So um, Lori loves being the, um, the biggest one on the screen. So let's see, did I do this right now? No, oh, I was gonna be a, I was gonna be a, a jerk and it, make Lori super big for just like three seconds and then uh, get back to what we were doing. But I can't even figure out how to do that. So Lori, you lucked out on that. Uh, I was gonna tease you. Um, all right. Oh, and I had muted Nuffy. Oh no, you muted you. Okay, one of us muted you and. It's yeah, I did mute myself because I was afraid she'd bark some more. <laughs> okay. All right, so we are going to switch over to this beautiful teal slide, of course, that I made and get right into today's topic. So for those of you who read the description or the post for today, this is about appeals and what you need to know. Of course, this is not going to get you in a position to be able to file an appeal tomorrow at the courthouse. It's going to help you to better understand your case in the event that you have an attorney and your attorney is not really doing a good job about explaining things to you, or you've been interested in all these recent Supreme Court, US and Michigan Supreme Court cases out coming out in 2022, and you just want to understand a little bit better about the background, the procedural background. How did they get there? What is that process, et cetera? Um, or uh, you, you know, just know that there's something coming up that you uh, may need to be able to follow along with in that freedom fight. And you just want to be a little bit better positioned to understand the terrain uh, of the situation. So the main questions we're going to be answering are what are the main types of appeals? When can you file them? And what courts do you file them in? So, all right, um, let's take it a step back. I've had some people debating with me on some very interesting topics on some of my posts on my own uh, Facebook page. Um, and uh, anyway, it's uh, Black's Law Dictionary was brought up a few times. So I'm going to go ahead and use what they brought up. Black's Law Dictionary, if you look up appeal, it's a proceeding undertaken to have a decision reconsidered by a higher authority, especially the submission of a lower court's or agency's decision to a higher court for review and possible reversal. So what is meant by that? Well, it's obviously, you know, in, in layman's terms, you have a decision that was made 
and you want to bring it to somebody else, right? You, let's look at it from a perspective of being a consumer. Um, you're trying to return something at the store and the person working the returns desk says, well, I don't really care that you have your receipt and that the item is, you know, just effective. Uh, I just don't feel like allowing you to return it today, despite our policy. You might say, you know what? I'd like to speak to your manager then. You are appealing to that higher authority, right? Okay, so um, the true or false question, we post these, of course, on every social media platform that actually allows polls. Facebook used to be one of the leading ones, but, you know, they don't actually like people to take polls and let their voice be heard. They want to control the narrative. So no more polls on Facebook. But anyway, um, so on uh, Telegram, we have the ability, Telegram, uh, YouTube, Truth Social, LinkedIn. Lori, what am I forgetting? There's two more. Uh, Twitter. Twitter. And that's all I can remember. Well, at any rate, there are six platforms, I'm pretty sure, I can look. <laughs> that allow that, um, allow polls. So we are pushing the Telegram version because it's the most lightweight, if you will. But also, I was really oh. surprised to learn recently that Telegram is one of the top three leading uh, messaging or social media platforms in the entire world. So I was like, well, maybe we should keep posting on Telegram. So anyway, um, the links that we share on other social media platforms from now on will be referring to that Telegram poll. But the one we posted today, True or False Tuesday, all appeals start in the Court of Appeals and then go on to the Supreme Court if necessary. Um, you know, and then you're supposed to say true or false, of course. Um, I'm going to skip through <laughs> the answer real quick. Lori, remind me to come back on that because I, I'll I, try. <laughs> somebody else in the, in the audience, remind me to come back on that. Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Just laughing at some of the comments we're getting today. Um, <laughs> yes, there are times when you really should prime your arms before you paint them, but I've done both. So. Okay, um, main types of appeals, uh, in some senses, depending on how you look at it, uh, you really want to look at first whether it's an, an interlocutory appeal, wow, I almost couldn't get that out, an interlocutory appeal, or a final judgment appeal. Say what? I know, for some of you that's like a lot of big words and they make no sense. So the main types of appeals, interlocutory appeals, those are appealing non-final orders of the court. I realize that still might be a little bit nebulous uh, and abstract. We'll get to that. Um, and of course, final judgment, appealing final judgments of court. So interlocutory appeals, it's where um, you have a part, and this is the, um, um, you know, commonly cited uh, definition, I guess you could find on many websites across the internet, but basically where a party is appealing a non-final trial court order that's deciding a certain issue or topic, but it doesn't resolve the whole case. It's something that's um, important along the way uh, that really needs to be addressed right then and there. Otherwise, it's truly going to affect the whole outcome of the whole case. Uh, but it, the, the issue or the order or judgment itself is not actually... Uh, deciding the entire case. There's still more that has to be done, a trial or whatever. So 
whether you can appeal that non-final order of the trial court, uh, it depends on the various rules of each jurisdiction. I have my own thoughts on that. We'll get to that at the end. But uh, first, we're just going to go with the um, the informative parts, right? So what are examples of non-final orders, right? We're talking about the interlocutory appeals, uh, something I have talked about many times in my um, Allegan County case. But uh, some examples would be uh, temporary restraining orders, temporary injunctions where you're told you have to do or not do something uh, in order to exclude evidence from a trial, an order on which arguments a party may present at trial, in order to exclude witnesses at the trial, in order to exclude the public from the proceedings, in order to produce evidence, um, privacy orders. So for example, if uh, there's some um, documents or discovery or things uh, that are um, being exchanged, but maybe there's something in there that's super private in nature and doesn't need to be shared with anybody else outside of the, the parties to the case, the judge may order that discovery happen, but there's going to be a protective order keeping that certain information private. Um, use of property during a court case, most commonly during a, a divorce, but sometimes you have a maybe a landlord-tenant case or a sale of property case, um, something like that, where the, a judge is making a certain order that is saying, well, during this case, this person gets to use the property. Uh, and an order denying a motion to dismiss, not an order uh, granting a motion to dismiss, but an order denying a motion to dismiss, because that means the case is still now pending when it shouldn't. It should actually be a final order if the court legally should have granted the motion to dismiss. Okay, so final judgment appeals. Well, that's going to be uh, where the last decision from a court that resolves all issues and disputes and settles the party's rights with respect to those issues. Again, this is not my wording. This is from one of those generalized website results, uh, but it's it's accurate. Okay, so you have the main issues of a case that have now been resolved, and the only things that really remain uh, would possibly be on issues of how to enforce the judgment. Um, you know, if somebody's not, if they're violating the judgment of, of the court, then, you know, you might be able to come in and, and get some sort of remedy for that. Uh, whether to award costs. So once the final judgment has come down and you know who basically won the case or not, in some situations, you might get attorney's fees or court costs awarded to you if you won. And whether to file an appeal. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about today, right? So, um, what are some examples of final orders? Well, you have permanent restraining orders. You have permanent injunctions, judgments of divorce, an order that changes, changes someone's name, an order of adoption, an order terminating parental rights, an order denying the restatement of a driver's license. If you had had your driver's license suspended and you had a hearing on that and then the administrative agency denied your request to reinstate your license. That denial order would be a final order that you could appeal. Uh, an order granting a motion to dismiss. So if there's a case, criminal or civil, and a motion to dismiss is filed and the judge grants that motion to dismiss and dismisses the whole case, that case is done. There is no more trial or anything like that that will be had. So that now becomes a final 
judgment or final order of the case. And of course, in a criminal case, there'd be a judgment of conviction. So what are the main types of appeals from a different perspective? Well, you have appeals by right and appeals by leave. What the heck does that even mean? Well, appeal by right. You have a right in a certain situation or in certain situations, you have that right to appeal to the higher court where you don't have to get permission first. You just automatically have that right. But in an appeal by leave, that's an appeal where you first have to get the court's permission to even have the appeal. And then if the court grants you permission, to appeal the case, then you get to have your whole case heard. Now, sometimes those two stages are blended because oftentimes if you're convincing a court that your um, case should be allowed to be appealed, well, oftentimes that means you're talking about all the reasons why the appeal um, shouldn't just be granted, but the whole case should be reversed or whatnot. So sometimes uh, that becomes a two-in-one step, but uh, you do have to ask the court's permission if it's a situation where it's appeal by leave. The other name that this is often called in different jurisdictions is an appeal by application because you're filing an application. I don't really go into detail on this, but what is an application for leave? Application for leave to appeal? That's your brief. That's the big ugly thing that's usually like between 20 and 60 pages long, and it's going to have a, an appendix with, you know, page numbers of exhibits, basically. Uh, it's going to have your table of contents. It's going to have your table of authorities with all your cases and your statutes and your constitutional provisions, court rules, things like that. Uh, it's going to have that roadmap of, you know, the questions that were being asked and how the lower courts decided on those issues. That is your whole brief. That's your application for leave to appeal. Okay, so an interlocutory appeal by leave. Um, and this is something that came out of a resource that I will be sharing with you uh, later, but this is from the Michigan uh, Bar Journal. Another attorney wrote this. But in the state court system, there is one type of interlocutory appeals um, where it's, it's an order that you can appeal by right. And that is orders granting or denying motions for summary disposition based on claims of governmental immunity. That's by state law, though. So in all other cases, if you want to appeal an interlocutory order of a court, a temporary order of the court, basically, then you have to get the court's permission to appeal. That's just how it is, unfortunately. So um, the um, and again, this article says that review of all other state court interlocutory orders must be sought by application for leave to appeal. So. I have some really important constitutional thoughts that I'm going to share with you towards the end because I, I want to get through the, the nuts and bolts of what's involved here to get you really up to speed with what that entails um, before we go into the constitutionality of how this breaks down. But let's understand what we're talking about first before we analyze it. So um, to finish kind of going through this real quick, and now interlocutory appeals in federal court are not always by leave. You don't always have to get permission. So um, if you if there's an order granting or denying um, injunctive relief or dissolving or granting or whatnot, a, an injunction, um, 
and uh, orders uh, denying motions to compel arbitration. Uh, there's certain things anyway that are orders where you automatically have a right to appeal. Everybody just knows it. You don't have to ask the court for permission. You can go ahead and appeal those. And uh, but those are specific to federal court. And the examples are uh, here in the slide that you guys can refer to later. I will be sharing it later. Um, so when can you file an appeal? Well, <laughs> I just threw some dates because it's uh, unfortunately kind of a crapshoot in figuring that out. So for example, in my research, I was looking for a resource that I already knew existed, but I was just doing a Google search. And of course, uh, one of the very first things that popped up was something about Florida courts. And it said um, something about in general, you have 30 days to decide whether you want to appeal a decision of a, of a court in Florida. And I didn't really dive into that to see if that's totally accurate or if there's some big nuances that need to be addressed there. But anyway, that's just an example. But in Michigan, and let me head over to that page real quick. Um, okay, so uh, I wanted to see what you would get if you Google searched this. So how long do you have to file an appeal in Michigan is what I decided to throw out there as the Google question of the day. And um, it, the first resource now all of these seem to be pretty legit sources and just by the brief little descriptions that each google result gives you it can be quite confusing so the first one says time requirements um, an appeal of right of an order in michigan um the, the michigan compensation appellate commission is 30 days okay well okay so 30 days Great. And then the next one in the uh, chapter seven of the Michigan court rules, it talks about time requirements and a, a cross appeal must be uh, filed with the clerk of court within 14 days after the claim of appeal is served. Okay. Well, crap, what's a cross appeal? And, and when is the 14 days? Cause now we just cut our timeline in half. Um, and uh, where, um, except where another time is provided by law or court rule, an appeal of right in any civil case must be taken within 21 days. And that comes from case text, but it's referencing a Michigan court rule. Uh, and um, I accidentally skipped the first one here that a claim of appeal may be filed within 42 days. Oh, okay. So what's that? And now mind you, that first one was a Michigan court of uh, uh, Michigan courts.gov, you know, courts.michigan.gov website. Um, but the next two that I read from were also from courts.michigan.gov. So, yikes, where does that really leave us, right? Well, the unfortunate thing, the answer I have for you is I can't give you a brief, you know, like Cliff Notes version right now in any way, shape, or form that's going to help you understand this um, and remember it going forward. But, you know, the timeframes, there's just too many depending on the circumstance. And the, the biggest thing I want you to take away from this is that you may have as little as 14 days in a situation. You may have as little as 14 days to file an appeal. So when something happens, don't sit on your rights. You got to do something quick. Actually, I take that back. There's times where you have even less than 14 days, uh, but it's, you know, more, shall I say, trivial matters. Um, but uh, anyway, it's um, you need to be ready to go. When you take an action, when you make a request of the government, when you file a case, you, you just really need to be in a position where you can go forward and pursue the next level and be ready for anything that's coming. That's, you know, that's really where we're at with things. And when we don't have enough 
good attorneys out there willing to jump into, especially these freedom fight cases. Um, and you maybe have a, a, an attorney who's really good at trial work, but they feel way in over their head on doing an appeal. So then you're scrambling to trying to find an appellate attorney, um, but you have a limited period of time. You know, you just you need to make sure that if you take away anything from the question about time frames in this video, that you know the time frames are very short, and that you would have to get at least the bare bones of something in place and know where that you need to file that appeal. So that's why the, the um, this episode is so important. Even if you're not in it right now, when you go in it, if you at least have the basic concept of what is required in an appeal and you hop on an attorney that has so many days to file that appeal for you, you have already collected whatever, like, I know you need this and this, I just need you to help me put it into the proper organization. So that just because you're not going through an appeal right now doesn't mean you shouldn't know this stuff. This is really important for yourself, your friends, and your family. I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, absolutely. And just a reminder, as far as having friends and family, now keep in mind, um, you know, there's only so much I could do with the time I have. But if you are uh, in Volusia County, and you maybe Seminole County, maybe Flagler, um, but you're in an area very close to the Ormond Beach area, and you uh, have a group of friends or family that really need to hear more about the Constitution or ways to take on government, I can be a little bit more physically available because that's where I'm, I'm at. I'm physically down here now. Um, so just for example, I was at a meet and greet for a local um, office, um, a local candidate last night. I wanted to get to know a candidate that was running and had the opportunity to read, read, to meet him, but also somebody else that's serving in a different position on the same board. And it was a great experience. And by the end of the conversation, I was asked uh, by the chairman of the board if I'd be willing to speak to some local, um, I forget how he phrased it, basically one of his youngest kids has um, like a group of teenagers that regularly meet to, to focus on freedom fighting issues. So basically like a young Republicans club but uh, with some real teeth to it. And I said, of course, you know, without hesitation, because it's extremely important that we're doing our part to educate ourselves, our friends, our family, and certainly the youth. We can't let the mainstream media or the socialism and all the craziness that others are trying to push, we can't let that be the message that's reaching, the only message that's that's reaching our youth and reaching our kids. So, um um yes liberty cause um that is that is who i met so um anyway um so uh which court do you file an appeal in well uh this is going to be an example from michigan because courts are a little bit different everywhere uh but let's say let's let's reverse to how many years ago would it be let's say 15 years ago a uh, period of time when I was licensed to practice law in Minnesota, I was living there uh, and doing everything from uh, public defender work to um, some divorce cases and some real estate, everything else. I might have 15 hearings in one morning in front of the same judge, um, but uh, that might all be public defender work, you know, criminal defense. But then in the afternoon, I may, might be back in front of them for a divorce hearing. 
Well, for those of you in Michigan, that's going to sound strange, uh, possibly. Uh, but in um, the same judge, two days later, I'd be in front of for a child protection hearing. Uh, that's really going to sound strange to those of you in Michigan. But that is, um, you know, in Michigan, excuse me, in Minnesota, at least at that time, if it hasn't changed, uh, really you had one trial court. Now, in some areas like Ramsey County, St. Paul, Minneapolis areas, basically, um, things like that, you had some specialty courts. But generally speaking, you had one trial court. It was the district court. And when something didn't go well in that trial court, you appealed to the Court of Appeals. And if you didn't, you know, do well in that court, then you might appeal to the Michigan, or excuse me, the Minnesota Supreme Court. That would be the general method. But in other states, there's different levels of court. So, for example, um, Florida does have different trial court levels. Um, Michigan has different trial court levels. You have district courts, probate courts, and circuit courts. Those are all trial courts. But anyway, if you um, have something that's starting, say, at the um, uh, district court level, like my case in Allegan County, if I wanted to appeal something, I had to appeal first to the circuit court, which normally is also a trial court, but it serves as the first appellate court for those things that are in uh, probate court or district court coming up to circuit court. Then I can go on to the court of appeals, possibly, uh, depending on the situation, then to the Supreme Court, okay? But what are some other examples of cases that go to the uh, circuit court first instead of the court of appeals? And these are things that no matter what state you're in, I just want you to kind of think. And some of these terms you might want to just Google and search and see because it might shock you, you know, what the procedure would be in your particular um, state. But in Michigan, for example, um, administrative appeals in general go to the circuit court. Um, Michigan Employment Security, uh, that that um those kinds of appeals um civil service commission decisions um parole board decisions uh let's see appeals from agencies governed by the administrative procedures act an act that's totally unconstitutional but we won't go there uh the motor vehicle code uh any kind of secretary of state issues or, such as you know getting your driver's license back and things like that um, decisions regarding care, uh, concealed pistol licenses or CPLs, um, uh, appeals of zoning ordinances, zoning ordinance determinations, I should say, uh, appeals of agencies not governed by any other rule are going to be go uh, held by going through the, um, uh, the circuit court first, and appeals of summary proceedings where uh, it's basically like a truncated court case. You then take that from the district court uh, into the circuit court before you move on to other courts. But what are some other options? Let's say you go to the circuit court or you skip that because you're in a state that doesn't have that level and you go to the court of appeals and then you go to the Supreme Court and you're in your state Supreme Court and your state Supreme Court has decided not to take the case on or has just completely forgotten what the Constitution is all about. That happens. Well, there's a rare option and uh, it would be a, you'd petition for writ of mandamus. Now, I couldn't figure out how to word it any better myself. So this is literally verbatim from that article that I will be sharing with you, if none other than on Friday. Uh, from the Michigan Bar Journal, but this is just a great way to get an idea of what the court would be looking at if you were going to try one of these routes. 
And um, so this is uh, a, a federal case type of situ situation for a writ of mandamus. Now you can file for a writ of mandamus, writ of mandamus or petition for a writ of mandamus in state courts for different things. But this is kind of a different take on that given the context of the conversation we are having. Um, so take a look at this slide later. We again will be sharing this. Um, if not today, then for sure, you know, by uh, this information will be shared by Thursday in our Constitution segment recap. But um, all right, so I threw in some kind of examples. So what about though, we haven't talked at all, right, about uh, saying a criminal case and you have a criminal defendant, what their rights are. Well, there's rights to equal protection and there's rights to due process and privacy from government intrusion and you, you have criminal trial rights and rights against cruel and unusual punishment, uh, rights for, um, you know, against bills of attainder, things like that. What? We didn't even talk about any of that. Well, that's kind of the problem, right? So we talked about this whole case is about procedure, that there's a procedure that in many instances, you have to get the court's permission to even have your case appealed. Well, what if it's one of these situations where your equal protection, your rights to equal protection are denied or your due process is denied or your, your right against cruel and unusual punishments is denied? Why would you have to ask for the court's permission? I grabbed this slide from, uh, I think it might have been last week where we were talking about things or uh, maybe a, slide, uh, a slideshow before that, but talking about and, and asking the question, is every single judge and every single prosecutor really required to ensure all of those kinds of rights are protected? And uh, you may remember, I said, yes. Okay, so if every single judge is required to protect those rights, well, why do you have to ask their permission if those rights have been denied by a lower court judge? Let's think about this. Each and every judge each and every prosecutor, quite frankly, uh, especially in Michigan, each and every attorney, and hopefully in every state that's the case, I think it is, but each and every one of those people took a constitutional oath of office. So, of course, that's in um, Article 6 of our U.S. Constitution, uh, the Michigan Constitution, Article 11, Section 1, Michigan State Law 15.151. Those are just some examples. Um, and let's also not forget that as far as attorneys go, and remember judges are also attorneys. Most states that allowed uh, non-attorneys to be judges have long since changed that rule. And I believe that virtually every single non-attorney judge that was um, sitting on the bench at some point is now gone. But uh, every single attorney has a duty to protect and inform the public. Now, this is specifically from the Michigan uh, Rules of Professional Conduct, but there are definitely similar provisions all across the country, no matter what your state. So an attorney or a judge has the duty to protect and inform the public. Let's think about that. Let's just go back on that. If you have the duty to protect the public, if you have the duty, let's again, go back to um, 
these rights right here, your right to equal protection, your right to due process. And, and you don't have to be a criminal defendant to have the right to equal protection. You don't have to be a criminal defendant to have the right to due process. No, those are rights you have just by being here. So it could be any kind of case. You have those rights. And if a judge has taken a constitutional oath to protect your right to due process, to protect your right to equal protection of the law, to protect you against uh, unreasonable um, illegal searches and seizures or you know privacy intrusions by the government, et cetera, then how, how does it make sense for a judge to say, no, I don't think I'm gonna hear your appeal today. In some cases, I can understand that if things are not filed correctly, if they're not filed correctly at the lower court, if they're not filed correctly at the higher court, and I say that not necessarily in the same sense um, that is traditionally seen today, but there has to be some sort of common sense to things because you have to, in order for the other side's due process to be there, they have to know what's coming. So you can't sue your neighbor and it, your whole lawsuit's a bunch of gobbledygook and they get it and they're like, what is this? And it makes no sense. And you haven't followed any of the proper procedures. They have no idea what they're responding to or how they're supposed to respond or when. And, you know, that's going to deny your neighbor of due process. So, yeah, they can't be so legalistic that the average person can't figure out what the procedures are. But there do have to be some kind of procedures in place uh, to protect everyone's right to due process. But there's no way a court should be able to just, no, nope, I don't care. I'm not even going to worry about the fact that your your rights have been trampled upon. Nah, I just, we're just not going to give a reason. You just haven't convinced us. That's garbage. That's what happened in my Allegan County case in 2021 when I filed that interlocutory non-final order appeal filed to the circuit court, filed then to the court of appeals. The court of appeals didn't say it was wrong, despite the prosecutor trying to argue that BS multiple times. No, the court of appeals said in a one sentence order that I hadn't convinced them that they needed to take the case. So they weren't gonna grant my motion or my application to appeal. I was saying the court didn't have jurisdiction in the first place to have these charges against me. So the court of appeals screwed up. The court of appeals, although they, you know, I had to go to them to seek permission, the constitution does not allow those court of appeals judges to turn a blind eye when I have very clearly and meticulously outlined all the, the, the issues involved in that particular situation saying, this judge had no right to even hear this case against me. You cannot trespass on property open to the general public for one example. But here's 17 other reasons why the judge didn't have jurisdiction to hear this case. The Court of Appeals doesn't have the right in those situations to go, man, nah, I'm not feeling it today. Do your damn job if you're going to take office, if you're going to be on the bench, do your job or go home and shut up. I mean, really, those are the choices. So at any rate, we're going to get back to, all right, so here. So now you know, 
or at least you know where to look or what to look for, what are those main types of appeals? Interlocutory and final order appeals, appeals by right and appeals by leave, BS, but that's what we're dealing with right now. You know when you can file them. Well, no, you know that you need to know when you can file them, right? So you might have as little as say 14 days, you might have uh, 42 days or more, depending on the jurisdiction and what the factors are in that case. You know uh, what courts um, to file them in, kind of. We talked about some examples. And of course, if you're in a different state completely, it's a different scenario. But you know that there are a variety of different things that you need to look for because it's not going to always be just the Court of Appeals that you appeal your decision to. Uh, an example that came to mind recently, my husband was doing some FOIA requests and uh, they didn't follow the law and I don't know what he decided, but at any rate, um, I told him if he was going to decide to appeal, he would need to do that fairly soon because it's a fairly short window, might even be uh, 30 days. No, I think it might even be 10 days to file an appeal uh, of a FOIA denial and, um, and it would have to be in circuit court in Michigan. That's where you appeal the decision of a government body denying your right to get records that are should be public. So uh, that would be another example that didn't quite make it um, into the list earlier. But at any rate, um, oh, let's see. Um, okay. I'm not seeing any big questions or anything like that. No, and um, you had started talking about the Court of Appeals. When you first took your very first appeal, you went to circuit court. What is required of the, the circuit court? Do they have to answer? Does that make sense? Right. So Versus the Court of Appeals being able to say, no, we don't want to hear it. So in my case, uh, I was appealing things as the case was still pending. So I was appealing non-final orders. So it was an interlocutory appeal. And it wasn't one of those rare exceptions in Michigan where you have that appeal by right of a non-final order. So I had to ask the court for permission. I had to file an application for leave to appeal and the judge in the circuit court denied my petition because of well the first there were two that went to her in 2021 the first one uh, i want to say that one was also like a one sentence order um but she totally got one of the court rules wrong and um anyway and so denied it based on that stupidity uh the second one was a four page order where she totally showed her ignorance on about every single statute and constitutional provision that was involved and uh, denied it from a bunch of nonsensical things. Anyway, she um, uh, had she been correct about the law, then she would have been allowed to do that. She would have been allowed to say, nope, I'm not going to accept this appeal because whatever. Um, in this case, there was she was not correct on the law, so she had no right to deny the appeal. But um, generally speaking, the way the procedure is set up right now, yeah, in a circuit court, uh, those judges would have the, the right to um, 
deny you access to having your appeal heard. Did that answer your question, Lori? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Any other questions we didn't get to? I nothing that and I'm trying to think of any other ones that somebody might ask. And I can't think of anything off. I I do think a lot of people are going to be like, you know, but like I said, I really feel like if if you spend watching this, listening to you through that slideshow and and really even you the one where you talk about the constitutional provisions that each one you look up and read that that provision while you're looking at it under the the different heading equal rights or protection of the law that way it will stick more because again you might not have it right now, but we know that they're doing unlawful stuff out there. They they arrested you, so that could happen to anybody. And just even knowing this stuff in your fight, you're going to be able to be better prepared to defend yourself and or help your friend. Because when when you're in it, even if you know how to, you struggled. So, you know, you know how the system works, and yet it was still a fight for you because it was your own situation you were dealing with so yeah all the help absolutely. people can get yeah and this is stuff keep in mind if you if you feel super overwhelmed by everything we're talking about and the process i mean i tried to make some key key uh points here today just to kind of give you some of the things to look at um again we didn't go into the nitty-gritty of, of all the procedural requirements and and the different steps of appeals and things like that and what you have to file i mean that would take a very long time and put everybody to sleep that has decided to watch this. So we didn't do that. But um, if you feel overwhelmed, don't feel bad because it's overwhelming for me. Um, in fact, I wanted to make sure, okay, I know I have a lot of this stuff off the top of my head, but I wanted to make sure, am I going to remember enough of it correctly so that I'm, you know, able to convey the information good enough to you guys. And so I had to take out a bunch of my resources and books and everything because you know, even uh, something where I've been doing these appeals now and doing working on them and working on them and writing all these appellate briefs and things like that, that doesn't mean I have all the court rules, all the nuances, all the little requirements, like all memorized in my head by any stretch of the imagination. So um, if you feel overwhelmed, you're normal, it's okay. And um, I want you to just take in the, the, gloss over, I guess, if you will, uh, of information about appeals that this video is providing and go from there. Um, and hello to those of you watching from Denver. Uh, if you dislike the constitution, you might not be interested in, uh, watching any of my videos or reading any of well, the materials that I provide, but. I wonder what he dislikes about the constitution. Does he even understand that the constitution doesn't direct the people, it directs our representatives? I, I think that's a missing link in a lot of people. So they think the constitution is horrible um, because it, it restricts the people and isn't fair or whatever they think, but the, it, it applies it delegates the powers to the people. So if, if you dislike it, let us know, because most likely you dislike the Constitution or a part of the Constitution because you don't understand it. And we'd love to help you understand that. 
I mean, that was a little bit more graceful than where I was going with that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, while, while I would say um, one way Lori is getting at, um, yes, that the, the, the Constitution is really written in a way, uh, it's, it's written to provide uh, the people a way to delegate powers to the government to do things or not do things. And the rest of the Constitution is literally putting restrictions. Government, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. It's not uh, restrictions upon our God-given individual liberties. Um, and we don't have to look to the Constitution to be able to find where the government or the Constitution gave us a certain right to do something. No, God gives us our liberties. So um, as long as you start from that premise, uh, if you still don't like the Constitution, then, yeah, there's there's a lot of discussion that we can have to help you kind of um, go forward in, in a better understanding uh, and, you know, have the conversation take off from there. But if you don't uh, understand uh, those basic things or you disagree with those uh, simple truths, then you're not going to want to watch any videos I have or read on any of the resources that I have. He, he thinks that it grants government the legal authority to destroy every single one of us. And I think that is not what the Constitution says. That's what the news and, and main, mainstream media and those in government are, are trying to teach you that they have this supposed authority. Um, they don't have the, this authority it's it's very clear in the constitution what the authorities are and and we are the ones that if they're not doing their job to uphold their oath we have to then enforce the law and that doesn't mean beating them down with a bat although some need to be but i mean <laughs> we're not talking blm style we're talking about actually taking our government back one branch and one level of government at a time uh, because what Lori's getting at is the Constitution does not allow any of what you're concerned about. It's it's mainstream media. It's the big government institutions that exist right now that by themselves are totally unconstitutional. Uh, I have some people that have been arguing with me on Facebook that just don't seem to get it, that they think all these federal agencies are totally lawful. Well, the, the Constitution allows Congress to you know make whatever laws they think are necessary and so uh they created you know this one this one this one and, and this agency in a, in a you know a, a, a federal statute so therefore it's constitutional and the president signed it you know that's required so it's it's a constitutional law so it's a constitutional agency and i'm like what no you know you can pass a law that says uh, you know, the, the government's allowed to run around killing all of the firstborn children uh, just because it followed a certain process doesn't mean the law is automatically constitutional. But I there's just some people that I don't know. Um, so he's all concerned right. about the legal authority to tax us and whatnot. And um, I think that almost is its own topic of itself talking about our rights and our taxes and, and who's supposed to pay taxes to the federal government versus who's supposed to pay taxes to the state, you know, that kind of thing. So I'll put that on our list of potential no promises shows. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Stephen, that, that is a good topic, though. You're right about the power to tax. 
is a huge concern. Again, I don't think it's as unlimited as people think that it is. The problem is, think about it this way. If if you have a concern that the government has this unfettered ability to tax whomever and however they want at whatever levels they want and use the money for whatever they want, then you're again forgetting that behind it all is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that, you know, we need to um, get people, you know, if, if people are being taxed for certain activities or, um, really? <laughs> uh, my silence are, uh, apparently decided to turn off on my phone. It's deciding to ring at some random uh, junk calls. But anyway, um, if you are, um, great, that vacation destination company totally threw me off. But anyway, <laughs> when it comes to taxes and all of that, government entities still have to follow and recognize the restrictions upon them. So they have to... Uh, remember equal protection of the law when establishing tax code. Uh, they have to follow due process, like true due process when setting up new taxing procedures. Uh, there can't be an IRS. There cannot be any one of those alphabet soup agencies uh, in existence because those agencies are unconstitutional. So if it's literally Congress uh, on the hook directly on the hook. There's no intermediate, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of federal agency employees. It's literally Congress. They are the ones that are making these decisions, every single one of the decisions. They are the ones uh, that are, uh, you know, you know, you're voting in and they're the ones that you then have the direct access to. I mean, lobbyist money can go a long way, but shoot, you take out all of those alphabet soup agencies and the layers and layers and layers of people in between you and the people who actually voted those agencies or procedures or laws into place in, in the first place, uh, things are going to get a lot different. So anyway, just something to keep in mind about all of it. Um, taxing procedures. Right. And again, Congress can, you know, the IRS can't even exist legally, but uh, well, for those that were following you and watching about the health code in Michigan, and, and it specifically said that the health director could prohibit the gathering, I think that's the great example of legislatures, lawmakers cannot delegate authority they don't have the authority to do. So just because they've done it doesn't mean that they can do it. And just because they've done it for decades doesn't mean they can keep doing it because now we know better. And that's exactly why we need to get involved and start holding these people accountable and start saying, hey, you're you're wrong. And I have a uh, hundred, you know, 20 people behind me saying the same thing, 30 people or 50 people, you know, get together with your community and then the communities can get together to go, you know, to the state and say, hey, state, you're wrong. And then the states can get together and say, hey, federal government, you're absolutely wrong. Time to downsize, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so I wanted to point out one of these comments that was coming in as, as you're talking about that, Lori. So Stephen says, I have heard a judge say the IRS is above the law. And I was definitely going to address that and wanted to talk about things with that. And then this comment was made. So judges say a lot of stupid things. So um, 
getting back to this, I have heard judges say <laughs> the IRS is above the law. That's incorrect. I, I literally don't care what judges say at this point because judges are not following the constitution. What matters is what the constitution says. And that gets us back to this kind of a comment, which is not picking on this person because this is a regular comment that happens. Um, our rights, I, I want our rights to be respected and the rule of law observed, but the constitution ain't getting us there. Well, the thing is the constitution gets us there. The constitution, uh, let's assume you're correct for just a second and the constitution is horribly written and we take the time to revise and rewrite the whole thing and we have it perfectly framed and whatever, but, um, and we put it into place. So it's in effect, we have this new constitution, but then the people are still being sheep and following mainstream media and they're following big bad government and they're following all the, the evil that's out there and they're not willing to stand up and put people in place and run for office to challenge people or to file lawsuits or to file FOIA requests or to go to meetings and stare down these uh, these people when they're having these, you know, congressional hearings or, you know, other kinds of legislative hearings or whatever. Uh, if people aren't willing to do those things and call, call these bad actors out on the carpet for this, then it's going to continue happening. And it doesn't matter what laws are in place. It doesn't matter what the Constitution says. People are allowing the Constitution to be trampled upon. Well, not people like me. So that's what it takes. It takes somebody like you who's paying attention and knows what it should be like. It takes all of us to work together to find ways to, to stop them, to have each one of us do our part. Or like Jane was talking about, um, the um, just like the America First Patriot Precinct Delegate, Okay, people running for the precinct delegate position, but delicate, delicate, delegate position in the Republican Party in Michigan. It's something that general, you know, the general public votes on in the August primaries every two years. Um, they are taking back control of the state uh, one precinct at a time. And um, we have Ottawa see. County too, you know, turning their commissioners around and getting constitutional people in the seat instead of the same old, same old um, yep. people that so, will follow for the money. I'm not sure exactly which statement uh, this was referring to, but um, Stephen's comment continues that it, that was an accurate statement. Trying to hold the IRS accountable is an impossible dream. No, nothing is impossible. First of all, everything is possible uh, when you have god who strengthens you as the source on which you rely okay but uh if we the people work together think about how many people are in the united states so yeah we're all worried about um uh yeah americans are refusing uh to fight the tyranny that's the thing think about how many people so so that there's I don't know how many, all the numbers off the top of my head, but let's say there's 1 million government employees across the whole United States, 1 million. Okay, that'd be a lot. Holy cow, 1 million employees? That's insane. And I mean like employees or uh, elected officials, appointed officials, whatever, right? Think about how many people are we the people though? Everybody other than government officials and government employees. A lot more than 1 million. Again, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I mean, generally speaking, I think Michigan has around 10 million people. And uh, I think Florida has like 13 million people. I have no idea anymore. It's been a while since I've looked any of those numbers up. But 
there are millions and millions and millions of people all across the country and we the people outnumber the stupid ass government officials we have the power we just have to work together to rein in those bad actors and use the constitution and enforce the constitution and put in constitutional offers uh, officers to replace those that have violated their their oath to defend and support the u.s constitution that's what it takes so we can't refuse to um fight against the tyranny anymore but um anyway so um yes we got here by uh by being sheep might as well throw this one on there because i sound sassy the way he words it so we're gonna go with it um all right now i'm preaching <laughs> so anyway with that being said um i'll leave it here and i will say thank you so much to joining us oh did i i forgot there is one more let me head back to that uh shoot where's that screen here we go one more for more information uh again thank you for joining us today for this full episode of restore freedom weekly where we currently air them uh tuesdays at noon on uh google or not on google on youtube on facebook and on rumble uh noon eastern standard time of course um we uh, would love to hear your thoughts, though, on that. So we have that survey that's been going around, and I made a non-Google survey for those of you concerned about Google, because some of you are. Uh, please have your voice be heard on that. Uh, we want to know from you which social media platforms would you best be able to or be wanting to watch this Restore Freedom Weekly episode be aired, at which times and on which days. Also, we're interested in which of the offerings that we do every week uh, that you find the most helpful, which tools that we provide to you that you can get the most benefit out of. So we can focus on those tools and possibly change things up or get rid of things that aren't as helpful to other people. So uh, please, 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 every single person watching, please fill out that survey and then pass it along to other people that you know who like the Constitution who want to fight for freedom, or perhaps who are already fighting for freedom, but might just need more tools, or just the camaraderie of people that are also fighting for freedom, uh, please pass that survey along to them. Please let us know your thoughts, because I want to make sure that we're providing the tools in the most beneficial way possible, so we, the people, can truly fight back together and get our government back to where it needs to be. And have the constitution be uh, followed the way that it was intended. So with that being said, um, at the current moment then, that leaves us with, uh, of course, tomorrow we'll have our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge, but uh, for more information specifically on this topic, please join us for our constitution segment recap on Thursday and Friday's freedom fighting tools that we will share with you. We always try to have those shared about noon, but uh, we've had some technical difficulties uh, at times, and uh, we're trying some new uh, social media platform types of things, uh, so bear with us. But um, also, so, so Saturdays, our um, uh, Restore Freedom Goodie of the Week, or highlighted way to, to um, help financially of the week, as well as our Sunday Biblical Insight. Um, but don't forget, if you haven't, oh, Lori, and those of you watching, 
no one stopped me from closing out the show without getting back to our true or false question. Oh, shoot. I was thinking about it and you were talking. <laughs> All right. So I didn't earlier, want to interrupt you. You were on a roll. <laughs> uh, true or false Tuesday. We try to post these every Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the morning on the social media platforms that allow polls. All appeals, this is true or false, all appeals start in the Court of Appeals and then go on to the Supreme Court if necessary. Okay, so we're going to post the answer on all the social media platforms where we post the poll. We'll post the answer at 10 o'clock tonight. And here it's pretty simple. It's even more simple than we have had in most weeks. It's just a plain true or plain false. Now, I'm guessing you should be able to answer that, at least, even though we've gone through quite a bit of information today. Uh, but uh, just to kind of help you out, if you want to cheat and double check your answers that you might have uh, answered in any of those polls, uh, the answer is true. Wait, did I say true? I said true. That is false. Oh, my gosh. I did not change the word false. I was more worried about the formatting. Uh, at any rate, we'll fix that before we publish the slideshow for you to use later. But the answer is false. <laughs> While in many cases, uh, you can appeal directly to the court of appeal. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, am I reading this right? <laughs> um, in other cases, you have to follow a different process. So in Michigan, for example, cases from district court or administrative agencies appeal to the circuit court first. On the other hand, uh, certain elections types of cases are appealed from the Board of State Canvassers or whatever platform it started on directly to the Michigan Supreme Court, and you bypass that Court of Appeals level. So there are different exceptions to that, and we did talk about a lot of that today. So thank you for joining us, and uh, I, let's see, don't want to leave us uh, quite on this particular, um, I can't even figure out how, where I'm, there we go. All right, uh, I can't uh, can't leave you on something that's not more positive than um, uh, the confusing slide where I said true, but the answer's false. So anyway, now that we're doing better about that, um, thank you so much for joining us today. I look forward to having you on the Freedom Fight going forward and uh, to presenting uh, and explaining different aspects of the Constitution to you at later points in time, whether it be through this show or perhaps at a local event somewhere around Volusia County, Florida. But um, in any event, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for joining us. And I wish you all a wonderful week.